The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts with wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Today is two days in the church year. It's not just one, but it is two. Today is Verate Celli, the fourth Sunday in Advent, and it is Christmas Eve as well. And in spite of all of the Christmas decorations and everything, especially here in the church that they represent and bring to mind, we should not overstep Verate Celli, the fourth Sunday in Advent, the last Sunday of the Advent season, because it has for us today a very heavy and an important warning to take to mind that Christians ought to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There's a general rule in ministry. Uh, the longer I do this and the more guys I talk with, we all know it's absolutely true that people will come to church more if you are a dynamic preacher. If you're good at giving sermons, they will come. They will try and listen harder, more people that is. There are always the people, good Christians like you, everybody in this room, who come regardless. But the good people that don't come as often will come a little bit more when news gets out that that guy has something interesting to say. He has something that's relevant, something that at least makes us think. That's true today. It's been true for most seasons, it seems, of the church. And also it was certainly true in John the Baptist's day as well. He was out there in the wilderness, kind of an odd setting for preaching, but of course, to fulfill prophecy. And he had a message which got people's attention. Repent, prepare for the Messiah, the kingdom of heaven is near. And so because of that stark, clear, cold message that it's happening and it's happening now and you need to be ready, people were coming out to hear him. And they weren't just coming out to hear him. They came out and they, to use our language, they got involved. They got plugged in. That is to say, they were baptized for repentance and they confessed their sins as they came out and heard John preaching. But when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were told in today's gospel lesson, came out to, well, 
they had a different reception from John than the others who came out. He had very harsh words for them. He calls them when they get there, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now, every time I read these lessons and think about them, I always chuckle to myself about how completely against our modern sensibilities that message is, right? Lutheran pastors all talk about the fact that if Martin Luther were alive today and he was a pastor in the Missouri Synod, the district president would have put him on restricted status or removed him long ago for some of the things that he said and did. It's true, the more Luther you know, the more you realize he wouldn't cut it in the 21st century American setting. But indeed, no, John has this message of calling these antagonistic people who we know their antagonism so well later in the Gospels, a brood of vipers. And we say, well, now hold, hold on, John. They're not a brood of vipers. They're seekers. Aren't you being a little unloving? Aren't you being unchristlike is the new word that we use? But that is what John did. It's what he said. And he does it so clearly. He calls them out on what they are, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Is it because John just doesn't have a high emotional quota or whatever you call it, where you EQ and you understand other people's emotions? Is it because he just doesn't have a winning personality and he wasn't really cut out for the job that he was prophesied to do? Is it because, for whatever reason, he already has a personal grudge against them? No, that's not why John says what he does to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who come out to be baptized by him. He says what he does because he knows they're coming out as hypocrites, saying one thing and doing another. Free salvation, forgiveness of sins by the grace of God and Christ, that's the central message and the central treasure of Christianity. But the thing about that grace of God and Christ is that we don't come to God on our terms with a list of our criteria and our demands for how it ought to be. A person cannot come to God and say, I'm going to be here, God. I want to be with you and have your gifts, but I also want to hold on to this sin in my life. I don't want to get rid of it for whatever reason. I want to come to church and have communion but I don't want to marry the person that I'm living with. I want to come to church and be a part of it, but I don't want to leave the lodge that says that God is generic, not Trinity, that I go to heaven by my works, not by faith through God's grace in Christ. Because to do those things for those two examples, which there are a myriad of examples that could be put in their place to do that, is really not a person coming to God, but a person demanding that God comes to them. You come to me, God. You meet what I say you ought to be, and then we'll see about my faith and my devotion to you. Friends, that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing, and it's why they get the harsh reaction from John. They want the blessing of what John was giving. They want the blessing of God. And at the same time, they also want to hold on to who they were. Judgmental, hypocritical sinners that thought themselves so great by their own works. 
but it can't be done. For them, or anybody since then, to try and have both God and, at the same time, also their sin that they don't want to leave, is to not have God and to only have the sin and whatever effects and consequences of that sin. It's obvious to have the blessing and the benefits that John proclaimed, the Pharisees and Sadducees had it there for them, but they needed to repent, to bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. And just as true as it was for them in those days 2,000 years ago, it's just as true for you and me. And so as you come today, fourth Sunday in Advent, tonight, Christmas Eve, tomorrow, Christmas Day, come to this place, this house of God for worship without trying to hold on to particular certain sins that you think are so special or that it would be so hard for you to actually repent of. The grace of God, the forgiveness that he offers, that he lays before you in this place and in his word, it is rich and abundant. It's not for the proud, though, who would keep what separates them from God, but it's for the repentant. Those who say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I want to do better. And so repent. Don't ask God to give you a gold star for showing up. That's not a prize he hands out, but rather, let go of the things in your life that lead to eternal destruction and death. It's not worth holding on to them in time, and it's certainly not letting those things be an eternal separation from God, having them for that reason. He offers forgiveness, life, and salvation, so come for that and leave the former things at the door. Amen.